eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, joined as always by Gabby Urrutia. Gabby, it's the day before Thanksgiving. What are you most thankful for? Man, what am I most thankful for? Thankful for thankful for a lot of things, man. Family, thank, thankful for my wife, first Thanksgiving together. Um, thankful for, some, for an awesome uh, coworker that's just bringing the heat every single day on this Miami Hurricane stuff. I see what you did there. This (laughs) this was not planned. It wasn't. Um, But I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, it's a good time to be thankful for everything that we all do have in in life. It's a great day. It's it's honestly my favorite holiday. Um, Love Thanksgiving too, yeah. Because it's just all about family and community. You get some football. You get some food. Right. The three Fs, faith, family, and food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Faith, family, food, and football. So four Fs. (laughs) Faith, family, food, and football. Uh, And the faith part, I'm speaking mainly to like being thankful for whatever you want to be thankful to or for or, you know, that regard. Um, But yeah, anyways, recording this on a Wednesday, uh, Duke week. So we'll give our our quick thoughts about that terrible Duke team at the end of the podcast. But I think, you know, obviously, Gabby, we got some newsy stuff to maybe touch on here first in relation to the AD search. I want to rant about the board of trustees and I think we'll take a break. And then I want to have the discussion on Rhett Lashley's impending move to SMU as it seems pretty much like a done deal that he's going to be the head coach there. Just what that would mean for uh, Miami, you know, assuming Manny Diaz might be retained again, I am not predicting that in the slightest, but I still think it's a discussion worth having. And then, like I said, we will wrap it up previewing Duke. Maybe the worst Duke team I mean, definitely in like the last decade, yeah. if we're being honest. So, worse, any, maybe they're worse, worse than last year because Miami beat them real bad last year. At least they had Chase Bryce. I that's don't a good know, question. I, really I mean, name. yeah, Miami definitely beat the brakes off them last year. It's just you look at this. I mean, we'll get into this later, but yeah. you look at this year's Duke team, 
they're losing like their average margin of loss to ACC teams this year, I think is like 31 points. Oh my gosh. Um, so equally as awful. I don't know. I mean, the quarterback position is worse. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So anyways, let's get to the news. Right. Um, and before I do that, actually, before I forget, I don't really, I'm not good at this plugging thing and highlighting subscription deals and all that, but obviously Thanksgiving week, there's a black Friday, uh, you know, for any business out there and uh, 24 seven sports is no different, right? Um, we have a black Friday special on Friday, uh, goes live on Friday, offering a 75% off uh, deal for an annual subscription. And I, I believe that comes out to about $26. So $26 get you, will get you a year's worth of coverage. I think this year is going to be interesting. Um, I'm hopeful change is, is made. And uh, if it were me, I would jump on board at that $26 rate. Um, so again, Black Friday deal, $26. That deal runs from Friday through Monday, uh, late Monday night, basically Monday, 1201, uh, midnight-ish, right? Uh, so got that out of the way. Let's get into um, kind of the latest notes that I posted on the website in terms of like timeline, et cetera, with the athletic director search. I posted this on Tuesday night. Um, to me, in terms of timeline, I, you know, my understanding is I don't expect an, an athletic director to be hired this week. Um, the search firm has recently been activated. Um, so they are conducting a thorough nationwide search. And uh, in that regard, you know, the school is, is taking its time. Now, does that mean take, like taking their time? Does that mean a week? Does that mean two weeks? I don't know that. Um, but I do know there will not be an announcement on an AD prior to the Duke game. Um, you know, I, this is just my opinion. I would expect news on the AD front to maybe start heating up Monday-ish, Tuesday-ish of next week, Wednesday-ish. Um, and so look, I, I would just say, in my opinion, this is all encouraging. Uh, you gotta just trust the process. Um, you know, they're going at this legitimately, which I think you have to respect. And, um, you know, you got to see how this process plays out. I do think what the fan base needs to recognize that, you know, maybe I think there is some frustration out there amongst the fans that maybe this process is taking too long, but I think we got to take a big step back, you know, look at this from a 10,000 foot view, you know, making an athletic direct director hire in the span of two or three weeks is extremely fast. Yeah. And that, and that's what Miami's attempting to do. Right. So I understand maybe it's not fast enough um, for the fan base in terms of getting an AD in by the time that the regular season is over. But I do think uh, the search is moving as quickly as possible if you are going to do a legitimate nationwide thorough search, which they are now doing with you know, the hiring of a search firm. Um, 
I will say, and again, this is my opinion, I'm not reporting, but I do think, uh, in my opinion, that a search firm is going to make it tough for a guy like Tom Jurich to be hired. Um, the former Louisville athletic director. Again, this is my opinion. I just think logically a search firm is going to have a hard time recommending a guy like Jurich with some of the things he has in his past, you know, during his time at Louisville, even though he was absolved of wrongdoing uh, by Louisville, it's just still things that I'm not sure if I'm running a search firm, I, I in good faith cannot recommend that person to a university. Does that make sense to you, Gabby? Yeah, a hundred percent. And just because again, these guys are not, I just feel like they're just taking a different approach in terms of like, you need to, when you hire a search firm like that, I'm assuming they're really just doing a deep dive. I don't think it's just surface right. level. Like, yeah, he had a lot of great success at Louisville. And there's a lot of reasons in that regard that George is probably attractive. But then when you start looking at, you know, really the ins and outs of like Jurich and all those things that maybe he was absolved of wrongdoing, but I mean, there's a reason all that stuff happened and it happened under his watch. So I feel like that's something that, again, a search firm like that, that is, you know, paid big bucks to sort of sort through all that. I think that's something that they'll recognize and sort of like maybe just red flag it in that way. Right. That's what I'm speaking to. Right. So again, this is my opinion. Um, but it's, it's fairly obvious once, once we know that a search firm is doing this, it's going to be tough for a guy like that to make it through the process, in my opinion. Um, but again, you got to trust the process. I think the overall moves that are being made are encouraging, right? What Julio Frank and his advisors are doing right now is massive, massive, massive cultural change with the athletic department and also just Honestly, what they're doing by circumventing the board of trustees, I think, with these decisions speaks loudly as well. So, um, again, we got to trust the process. I can't predict where this thing's going to go. You know, I mean, I, there's only maybe four or five people in the world right now that, that are really aware what the search firm is passing along to Miami and that feedback and all that stuff. So I don't have any names. I don't have anything in that regard. I do. The only thing I do know is that the the position has attracted plenty of interest from people that serve at some of the top universities in the country. So uh, the bottom line is this is an attractive job. This is a coveted job. And I think there is confidence that Miami will be able to land a quality athletic director that kind of fits the criteria of what they're looking for as they make a push to a new vision of what this athletic department and specifically what this football program is going to be. Um, and speaking to that, I wrote this note, you know, there had been some chatter um, on these internet streets that interim athletic director, Jen Strawley, you know, there, that it was being kicked around that she would be the potential athletic director hire. I have been told that that's not the case. You know, I have been told that she is definitely highly valued within the department and she definitely has a role moving forward, um, but she is not a, considered an athletic director candidate. I think that basically speaks to Miami wanting to get, a, they want to reset the culture. 
um, in the athletic department. They, they want to get away from what has been the status quo, you know, of the past 20 years, if we're being honest, you know, more specifically recently, Blake James, but let's be real too. It, it preceded Blake James as well, in my opinion. So they're really looking to try and make aggressive moves. Will they be able to pull it off? I don't have that crystal ball. I can't tell you who's going to be the AD, but I do think the vision and the moves that are trying to be made should be respected. Um, I also think it's worth uh, bringing up some issues here, Gabby. Some issues that I have, honestly, with kind of the messaging going on behind the scenes. And I think this is happening from the board of trustees level. Uh, um, there's, there's some messaging going out there. Um, and, and honestly, this, this applies to the hecked building too, in terms of like, people are putting things out there like Jen Strawley is going to be the athletic director. That comes from the hecked building. That is false. Um, why people would put that out there I could guess at the agendas, but I think I, and the board of trustees leaking, clearly leaking out that Manny Diaz is on the cusp of returning unless, you know, comma, unless an athletic, the new athletic director deems differently. This type of messaging, these narratives are damaging because it characterizes Miami as a circus which it is not. What is happening, again, Julio Frank and his advisors are making wholesale massive changes. And of course, change is tough. Change is difficult. These type of huge changes, it's going to be bumpy. It's going to be rocky. And there's going to be people who are not for it. And I totally understand that. I get that. Nobody honestly likes change. Um, but this is what's happening. And people are not happy about it. Uh, both inside the heck building and on the board of trustees level. And so they're putting out these narratives. And look, I, I genuinely hope that it's, this isn't the intention. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, but whether they know it or not, they are creating circus narratives around this process. Um, and, and when you do that, it scares potential quality athletic director candidates, it scares a potential quality coach from coming to the University of Miami. And in my opinion, these narratives, these garbage narratives are an example of why the total culture reset needs to happen, both inside the Hecht building and at the board of trustees level. This narrative that there's a quote unquote power struggle happening at Miami um, with the AD hire and the potential head coaching change. Um, it's just simply disingenuous. Where is the power struggle? There's one person in power right now, Julio Frank. He, has the, he is making this athletic director hire point blank, him and his advisors. Um, there is no athletic director with any power right now. So where's the power struggle there? The board of trustees is currently toothless. The decision to part ways from Blake James blindsided them. 
Julio Frank and his advisors made these changes because they knew where the board of trustees stood. And so what I'm telling you there, there's no power there either at the board of trustees level right now. I know that's been the case in the past. This is a new era. This is a changing of the guard. Julio Frank and his advisors are making big, big, big changes. And again, these things need to be applauded. These things need to be embraced. And so in that regard, Gabby, I've written a letter to the anonymous board of trustee members that enjoy speaking to the media anonymously. I understand that their egos are bruised right now, but I feel it's important that I write this letter to these people. Do you mind if I read it, Gabby? That's all you, man. Okay. Dear anonymous board of trustee members, I understand your egos are hurting. Drastic change is happening with Miami's athletic department and you are uncomfortable and feel out of the loop on these moves. Well, you have nobody to blame but yourselves. Your MO over the past 20 years has not been good enough as the football program has slipped into perpetual mediocrity. Rather than have a vision or a plan to change these results, you'd rather spend your time protecting your friends and making decisions that don't rock the boat so that you can maintain your power and influence. I think you know what you are doing, anonymous board of trustee member, by speaking to the media, but for the sake of this letter, I'll assume the best and I'll break it down for you. Speaking to the media anonymously with a clear agenda is only validating what the college football community already thinks of you. The University of Miami Board of Trustees has a terrible reputation in the coaching community. You all are known as meddlers that get in the way of Miami Hurricanes football returning to winning at a consistent level. You are part of the problem. Again, I'm going to assume the best of you all and hope you don't understand what you are doing with your anonymous talks with the media, but those actions scare off potential top college coaches that might be interested in leading this program because they don't want to walk into a circus situation at the leadership level. Speaking of circus situations, wasn't it you all that ran through the hiring of Manny Diaz with 12, within 12 hours of the head football coach position opening up? Here's a quote from former athletic director, Blake James, during a press conference that was conducted the afternoon of the day Mark Richt announced he would be retiring. Quote, we will begin a national search for a new head coach today. We will work quickly, but comprehensively to identify the right fit for Miami. I'm confident there will be a great deal of interest in our program as our fan support, tradition, facilities, recruiting base, conference affiliation, and world-class university all make this an attractive job, end quote. The only thing that was truthful about that statement was the decision makers would work, quote unquote, quickly to make the hire. Delivering the fastest national search of all time with the hiring of Manny Diaz within 12 hours. That opening did attract a great deal of interest that day with coaches like Oregon's Mario Cristobal and FAU's Lane Kiffin, 
legitimately wanting to have a shot at the job and go through the interviewing process with the school. Instead, you all went rogue and displayed an embarrassing show of leadership. Is the board of trustees above accountability for that decision? Was that good leadership to circumvent the proper process of conducting a true national search? The new vision for the future and shift in culture is the exact opposite of that type of poor leadership. These type of moves is why you old guard members of the board of trustees are not being consulted much moving forward. You have a history of ineptitude and you lack results. I think we all know who you are, anonymous board of trustees member, but I'll respect your desire for anonymity for the sake of this letter. One would hope that your desire to serve on the board of trustees would come from a legitimate passion to do what is best for the program, not what is best for your own power dynamic and personal relationships. President Julio Frank and his advisors thankfully have a new vision for the future of Miami's athletic department and specifically a new vision for the football program. A line in the sand has been drawn. Either you anonymous board of trustee members are going to have some self-awareness and accountability and get on board with this new vision in the future, or you're gonna be on the other side and viewed as toothless troublemakers that continue to show that you do not value what is best for the program. This type of drastic change is hard and rocky. I get that, but you have a clear choice moving forward. Support the new vision or move on from your duties. If you want to keep clinging to the power you exerted in the past, you anonymous board of trustee members can always reminisce about the good old days when you hijacked a quote unquote national coaching search and hired an inexperienced candidate from Temple within 12 hours. Now that was an example of real leadership, wasn't it? You lost credibility with that stunt. Your pal, David Lake. Was that too much? That was elite. That was absolutely elite. I was trying to hit the unmute button quicker, but that was, <laughs> I mean, you just nailed it all in the head, man. Like, I mean, what's the, I just think there's just needs to be a complete, I mean, yeah, I feel like it's tough to feel any differently. There needs to be just a complete gutting of, of the people that are in those decision-making roles people that need to just get on board with a, with a Miami hurricanes program. That's ready to, to really sort of change the way that they're viewed nationally. Like I I don't think it's okay that there's coaches out there that, and just people out there that have the potential to change the program that view Miami in any sort of negative light, considering, you know, who they've been in the past. So, I mean, I don't think it's unfair at all. I think these, I mean, these are the types of things that get things done. You know, this, there needs to be, there needs to be people like you, David, that, that say these types of things that do these types of things that create progress. There needs to be progress in this program. And, uh, you know, it's been so stagnant for so long. And, you know, I think you saying that is on the money, man. I really do. And I think really, again, not even just say, I just think what you've done throughout this process has been, has been incredible because I think it's, it's, it's shown a different light to the program that a lot of people that maybe hasn't been able to get out in the past because of some of these types of people. That's nice of you to say, but genuinely 
my only agenda here is doing what I think is best for the program. When I went at Blake James, let's be real, right? It was very risky for like, you know, a slappy fan site guy like myself to be pushing that button. You know, I know people inside the hex still don't like me for doing it. Um, but again, I think it was what was best for this program moving forward. Now I think it's time to shine a light on the board of trustees. If they want to try and get political and muddy the waters behind the scenes. And again, they're toothless. So try and muddy the waters. It's not going to do anything, but if they do want to try and create a circus, um, we're going to point that out here. Right. And, uh, I don't want to name names now, but if I hear things moving forward and I need to name names, I'm going to start naming names. Um, so let's not get to that point. Let's all start doing what is best for the program, not what's best for personal agendas and egos. This is such an important time for this program. Um, in my opinion, they have to get this right now, not next right. year, not five years from now, N-O-W now. The old way of doing things wasn't working. It is time to time for Miami to change. And if people inside the heck building or on the board of trustees are too stubborn to embrace this change, they need to go too. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the ultimate goal here of everybody. I don't think anyone, I mean... Again, like I know, at least I mean, just speaking for myself, like supposed to be like an unbiased source, but I mean, I I can't pretend like I don't care about the program. Like I want to see the best for the program moving forward, David. I think that you do too, and I think ultimately that's the bottom line here is that people want to see more from this program, and there is an opportunity. I mean, again, what's happening right now is going to dictate the future of the program. Like if they if they mess this up, if they do this wrong, I think it tells you everything you need to know about this program, sort of moving forward. And I think there's an opportunity to get it right here. And, uh, you know, if there's gonna be people standing in the way of that, that have been around that aren't ready for, for that sort of change. Um, I mean, again, I think they need to either be exposed or just be called out or just really just find something different to do. Because, uh, I think, I mean, there's obviously potential here. It's been that way in the past. And again, not as someone living in the past, but understanding that there is a standard here, I believe, uh, and that that simply hasn't been being met. And I think that there's an opportunity now for us or well, the program, again, people at the University of Miami, the decision makers there with influence um, to sort of try to make that right again. And I think that, you know, whatever's happening here, I think that, again, the people that are in the know that that have a say in this are really doing their best to, to try trying. to get this right. They're trying, they're really they're trying to get this right and they're trying to do it the right way. And those people again, that were part of that decision to, and even let's say they landed on Manny Diaz, but you don't land on Manny Diaz 12 hours after the fact. Um, you know, if they, they decided to go through the process and he was the guy, you know, I think I could, that could have sat better with some people. It might've not been the best decision, but to do it 12 hours after you're saying you're going to run a national coaching search, it seems like there's just like shady people with hidden, hidden agendas that are behind the scenes making those types of moves. So if those people aren't comfortable with this, I think it's just time for Miami as a university to move on from them and for them, for them to just sort of go fall away. Like, yeah, fall in line. Fall, exactly. Fall in line or, or, or move on because uh, I think this program is trying to get this right. And it seems like there's a lot of people willing to help make it right. And I th just think it's time for that, man. I think it's, I don't think anything you said or have reported has been unfair. Uh, it might make people uncomfortable, but 
you know, <laughs> that's sometimes the best way to get things done is to make people uncomfortable and have to sort of look in the mirror and say, all right, like, what am I doing here? So, I mean, kudos to you, man, for, for that. Yeah. At this point, you just got to let the process play out and hope for the best. Um, but yeah, if, if I hear about any funny business here moving forward, I'm calling it out because it's, it's unacceptable. Um, let's take a break after that. Let me cool down. What's wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> let's take a break and, and we'll discuss other stuff on after this commercial break. I can't talk. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back i've cooled off let's discuss uh rhett lashley right seems like gabby it's pretty much a done deal right like it's not announced Basically, everyone is reporting, you know, SMU, Sunny Dykes moving on to TCU across town there. Um, and then former Sunny Dykes offensive coordinator at SMU, Rhett Lashley, is widely expected to be his successor as the head coach. Um, first off, congrats to Rhett Lashley. I think he did his job here. Um, you know, you, we can always nitpick offensive coordinators. Uh, I think in particular here in the second half of the season, we've seen him at his best in terms of opening up the playbook and, uh, you know, taking advantage of Tyler Van Dyke's skill set. So, and also too, want to thank uh, Rhett for bringing Miami's offense in general into the modern era of right. college football, yeah. you know, uh, as crazy as that is. Miami had not run this type of offense until last year. So 
He was a big part in landing De'Eric King. He was a big part in landing Jake Garcia. I think the way he coaches is a big part in why Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, Tyler, of course, deserves credit in his own right because he's a hard worker, but you know, Rhett Lashley deserves credit for really leaning in and understanding what Tyler is comfortable with and getting the most out of his skill set. What are you going to remember about Rhett Lashley? Yeah, I think it's that point of just bringing Miami into that modern offense. I think it was something that we we're all calling for. Um, I mean, I think we all remember like the dog days of the Mark Richt era where he put up like 14 points at Virginia, uh, just had a really hard time moving the ball up and down the field, uh, really just super stagnant on offense. And it was just so frustrating to watch. So, and then of course the Dan Enos era, um, Oof, you know, that just was worse. Not, yeah, just like, you know, just really just a tough period there where the offense just got really bad and just him being able to, again, attract a guy like De'Ara King. Uh, to just really get that offense sort of rolling. And really just, I think that what Rhett Lashley did will sort of set the foundation of what a Miami offense sort of looks like from this point forward. So, you know, I I mean, apart from him just being like, you know, really a great dude and, um, you know, brilliant play caller uh, at at times, of course. I mean, just like really just helping the offense. I think just him sort of, hitting that point where he transitioned this Miami offense uh, into really, yeah, it's just like the 21st century, really just modern day football is probably what I'll remember him best by. I mean, what he's been able to do with the quarterback room in, in general, uh, again, that was sort of, an, that was atrocious in its own right. Uh, bringing in King to sort of be the, you know, the adult in the room and right. then, you know, him following up I and, mean, you know, with Tyler Van Dyke having, being able to follow up under him, uh, Jake Garcia, you know, even a guy like Jakari, Jakari. Brown that he yep. recruited. I mean, that's back-to-back top two. Like, his two quarterbacks that he recruited to Miami in his time Beasts. were two legit blue-chip blue guys, top two, yeah. four-seven guys. So I think what he did to just change the dynamic and really the mentality of the offense, um, you know, from the time he really stepped foot on campus, I think was massive. And that's through COVID where there was a, an extremely shortened spring uh, in his first year. And still that offense sort of hit the ground running uh, you know, in his first year there. And of course, had its hiccups with injuries and all that stuff. But, you know, I'll you know, tip my cap to Rhett Lashley every single day of just what he was able to do for this program. Does this move, in your opinion, you know, look, at whoever the next AD is, Manny Diaz is going to have a chance to sell himself to this new AD, right? Um, do you think Rhett Lashley moving away from Miami hurts Manny Diaz's case? Um, I mean, I would think so because I think I think Manny Diaz's best shot would be look at what we've done with this team in the second half. Um, you know, let's say they, they win this next game. It's five of their last six. But then I think there's the argument of, well, you just lost your offensive coordinator. So right. who's going to sort of come in and fill that spot, sort of keep this offense rolling the way that you're saying it's rolling. So again, uh, you know, I, Rhett Lashley leaving, I think is very well deserved. Um, you know, Absolutely. I think that it's a great spot for him just having come from SMU, you know, again, if that move does become official, uh, if Sony Dykes takes the TCU job, which again is looking very likely at this point, um, you know, I think Manny Diaz would have a hard time sort of selling what the offense is going to particularly question, be under him. Cause the question is who's next, right? Yeah, exactly. What is your plan? Because let's be real. Even if Manny Diaz is brought back, 
which I don't, again, I feel like I keep having to say this so people don't misinterpret it. I don't, if I'm guessing, I'm guessing that he's not coming back. But let's say he is. Um, who is he going to be able to convince to come join him and, and be an OC? Because let's be real, if Manny comes back one more year, he's more than likely a lame duck coach. Um, or at least he's just going to be coaching on the hot seat all season long. And it would be a surprise, quite frankly, if he survived that. Um, so what off, what good, I should say, I should qualify this as good offensive coordinator is going to want to come down here. Um, do you have any names, any suggestions off the top of your head? I got one, but again, I think it's, I don't know if the move would necessarily make sense for that person, but I do have one name. Yeah. I mean, I always felt like, you know, a guy like maybe Lashley's successor could potentially be a guy like Frank Ponce. Who's That's who off- I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it makes sense. Um, during the summer, Frank Ponce was actually at Miami. He's a Miami native. I think he coached at Coral Reef or something like that. And, um, you know, he coached at FIU under, he was there at FIU under uh, Mario Cristobal, I believe too. And again, like he was at Miami this summer, like hanging out, you know, and we're doing recruiting down in South Florida and stuff like that. He was there for one of the big seven on seven events. I felt, I always felt like that was a guy that would just be a natural sort of fit. And again, just him being around, I know he's super friendly with a lot of these guys. I thought that that would be the next sort of move for Miami. I I honestly would be surprised. Okay. Maybe not surprised, but I would assume he would be very much in the conversation. Um, If you, if, if you are Frank Ponce, do you make that move? I don't know. Your career. I, I mean, I think there's I pros and know. cons, obviously. Yeah, right? I think there's it, pros because I think you have a chance because you know what the quarterback situation is right. like. It makes your job a lot easier when you have a quarterback who's sort of like shown that he can do it at a high level. I don't think, like, I don't think that like Brett Lashley le- le- leaving necessarily means that Tyler Van Dyke's just going to suddenly not play like Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, he's right, shown a tribute yeah. that he is who he is. So it's going to help you out a little bit to say, hey, I can go here. And let's say it's even for a year. Um, you know, I'm going to be able to put that under my belt because that Tyler Van Dyke, I, I think there's an argument that Tyler Van Dyke's tra- like trajectory oh, over the here last like few games has, I mean, one helped keep this thing rolling longer. And I think it kind of assisted with Rhett Lashley getting that job, what that job as well, because again, I know what he's done has been important too, but really like having to lose your starting quarterback and De'Ara King like that kind of throw in Tyler Van Dyke and for him to have five straight games of 300 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, I think everyone, you sort of look around the room and you sort of point the red lash and be like, you're the guy that sort of made this happen. Again, Van Dyke has a lot of credit too. So if you're Frank Ponce, you could see how, you know, Tyler Van Dyke's going to make my job uh, probably a lot easier if I'm here for at least a year. So you just look at it as like one year, I can still put up numbers. Who knows if the team wins, but the offense should be good. The offense should be good, and let's say it blew up, and let's say Manny Diaz was like, oh, again, assuming in this hypothetical situation that he comes back in 2022, I think Frank Ponce would at least put himself in position to get another Power 5 coordinator job. Okay. And, and yeah, it's worth pointing out, right? He is currently the OC at App State. Um, they are averaging 36.5 points per game, which is 16th in the country. Uh, total offense, it's 450 yards of total offense, which is 23rd in the country. And look, I, I do think Frank Ponce calls a good game. Um, yeah. I think he, he's done a good job there at Appalachian State. So 
Uh, we are in agreement. I think that would be the name Manny would throw out there. I do think I've heard that when Manny was interviewing, you know, when he was still the temple head coach, that Frank Ponce was a guy he was interviewing to. His OC? I don't know about OC, but just join his temple staff in some regard. I would yeah. assume OC, but I don't know that. Because he was kind of like a Satter, he ended up becoming a Satterfield guy, right? Because Satterfield was there on that right. Mario Cristobal staff at FIU too, and I think they right. them two kind of linked together because he was with Correct. them at Louisville before he went back to App State, where Satterfield came from. And to your point, I think also there's a chance, like let's say hypothetically, again, I'm throwing this against the wall. Let's say Mario Cristobal is your head coach. I'm not. I don't think Frank Ponce would necessarily be his number one option, but like if Mario yeah. has to get to like option four, five, six, I think Frank Ponce would be on Mario's list just yeah. further down, you know? And I don't think and, that would be, I don't think that'd be a bad fit either. Yeah. I mean, I could, he's also coached wide receivers. He could be a big time, like wide receiver slash co-OC. If you yeah, really want to pass game coordinator. Yeah. If you really want to Rob Likens role, come home and, uh, you know, join Mario's potential staff. Sorry. I'm daydreaming. Uh, <laughs> what about like, are there Miami assistants slash analysts that you think Lashley would like to bring with him to oh, SMU? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, analysts, I think, uh, I think it's Charlie Brewer and Kyle Cooper and Kyle right. Cooper was on the 24 seven sports 30 under 30 list, uh, you know, offensive, like he's like a senior quality control analyst for the offensive side of the ball. I think those two guys are a shoe in to, to follow Rhett Lashley to, to um to SMU, I wouldn't be surprised if Brewer was like an offensive coordinator potential type. I mean, he's been with him forever. Kyle Cooper's another young guy that he really, really loves. I would not, I mean, I would expect both those guys to make that move with him. Um, I mean, I think you look at a guy like Rob Likens, and I think Agreed. you sort of see a situation where Rob Likens uh maybe follows him because again, if Rhett moves on from this and Manny is not retained, which I think is probably the most likely scenario. I don't think Rob Likens is, I mean, who knows what happens there? Not saying that he won't be retained by the next off the next staff, but I think typically that's unlikely. So I think that could be a situation where you can move on. And I even think like a Garen justice type where again, that was a Rhett Lashley yeah, hire too. They seem tight and they, they are super tight. I mean, if you listen to the, 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 I forgot the name of the podcast, but the one that Josh Darrow does, I think it's like eye on the U or something like that. Behind the U maybe behind the U behind the U. Um, I, you listen to Garen Justice's thing. I mean, he like works out with Rhett Lashley every day. They do like Peloton stuff together, and they were like running hundred the the hundred ten the hundred ten yarders or whatever it is uh, with the team one day. They seem to have built like a legitimate friendship too. So I could see Garen Justice and Rob Likens as two guys that that maybe make the move over to Dallas with Rhett. Again, that's just me assuming Agreed. at this and point. I, right, I'm, I would assume that as well. Um, again, not reporting. And yeah, look, if you look at it from a timeline standpoint, it makes sense too, right? It buys those guys. I mean, number one, they like Rhett Lashley. They believe in Rhett Lashley. Right. Number two, you know, Rhett Lashley will probably be there four years, five years at least, um, unless he just blows it, like is smoking hot to start his career there and he gets a big time job quicker than that. So yeah, yeah I think those are the guys to know in that regard. Um and also, too, SMU, I think, could pay, right? I think they could. Right. Quite frankly, I think, and look, Miami pays well. I'm not speaking to that. 
I'm speaking to what SMU can pay. SMU has money. They could pay comparable or maybe even more uh, than what those guys are making at Miami yeah. currently. Yeah. Um, it's Jonathan, Jonathan Brewer, right, by the way, is the name of the, 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 like the last year's guys it's called him Charlie. Yeah. Call him Charlie Brewer. I think that's the name of a quarterback. I like quarterback. Utah or something like that. Yep. Yeah. So Jonathan Brewer. So that's my fault. And um, yeah, SMU's in a, like, a, it's in like the heart of Dallas. So right. you have that, like, that big city stuff and it's in like an extremely wealthy area in Dallas. Yep. I think it's called like Highland park or something like that. Yep. And I, I went there. Cause when I went to honest, when I went with the seven on seven team to Dallas for that, for that tournament earlier this year, we visited SMU with like all those guys. And it is an unbelievably beautiful university. Like, Really, really nice. I mean, the stadium's really, really cool. Sort of like sunken into the ground a little bit, and it's just like a, it seems like a very, very wealthy area. So it is. I, they have wealthy I, boosters. Yeah, and the the facilities are really nice. the in, The indoor practice facility is comparable to Miami's. It's brand new too. I think it's really, really nice. Um, again, and so when we were there, someone said that they call it Southern Millionaires University. So that is, I guess that. I mean, I don't know, but there is a lot of money at SMU, so. Yeah. What would uh, what would Lashley leaving mean for recruiting, in, in your opinion? Yeah, um, I mean, we actually had that message on the on the on the board over at Inside View today. Like, it was rash was was Rhett Lashley uh, really just did, did he just recruit the quarterbacks? Like, was that his role? Did he do anything outside of you know quarterbacks? And he did. You know, he was he was a big part in you know obviously the recruitment of Jake Garcia, which was massive. Um, but he was probably the main reason Miami was able to dip into Texas and land Elijah Arroyo, who was one of the top tight ends in the country with had big time schools like Texas A&M, Alabama, USC, uh, sort of in the mix there. Some people had him sort of leaning Texas A&M and Rhett Lashley was a big part of the reason why he ended up coming to Miami. And again, he has those deep Texas ties. So that was big. Brashard Smith, if I mean, a lot of people will remember that he was committed to Florida, for a while and Rhett Lashley was a big part of the reason why they were able to essentially flip him. There was a period between his decommitment and his commitment to Miami. But I mean, once he backed off of Florida, it was the writing was basically on the wall that Miami was, was his next stop. And Rhett Lashley was a, was a really, really big part of that too. And I know right. with Charleston, with Miami landing Charleston Rambo, he was a huge part in making that happen too. Again, Charleston Rambo is a kid from, from Cedar Hill, Texas, I believe, you know, another guy with Texas ties, Rhett Lashley was a big part of, of landing Rambo. So from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, you obviously have to look at Jakari Brown, but you know, with the, with the wide receivers and some of those big time targets on the offensive side, really, maybe not so much like this cycle with obviously not a ton of pieces outside of Jakari offensively, but Rhett Lashley is a big part of, was a big part of Miami's recruiting efforts on the offensive side of the ball. Even, I mean, you go back to his time at SMU, he was the one that landed them. I mean, he was probably going there anyways, but he was he built a really good relationship with Preston Stone, who was a top two, four, seven quarterback that signed with the Mustangs at that point. And, um, you know, so he's landed, he's consistently landed like big time quarterbacks. And he's also been a big part of landing some other huge playmakers. I mean, Rambo obviously setting records at Miami this year. So, I mean, there's no sort of measuring how a massive of, of a pickup and evaluation that was by him. Should we, anything else to say on, on Rhett? Move on um, to Duke. No, we can move on to Duke. All right. Let's, uh, so Miami wraps up the regular season against this Duke team, uh, who, again, is winless in ACC play. Um, game is at Duke. 1230 kick, Bally Sports. 
uh, Florida. So I don't know if, you know, check your local providers to see if you're outside of the state of Florida, how you can watch this game. Um, but it is televised. My quick thoughts on Duke. Um, Mateo Durant, the running back, has rushed for 1,173 yards and nine touchdowns. And that is ridiculous, you know, considering he is a one-man show on that offense, right? Their passing attack is very blah. Uh, Every defense they play against knows it begins and ends with containing Mateo Durant. Uh, I think his production has tailed off a little bit here in recent weeks, uh, but still 1,100 yards, you know, nearly. He'll finish the year with 1,200 yards. Uh, that's a hundred yards per game average, right? Uh, he is a big time player starting quarterback. Gunnar Holmberg has only thrown seven touchdowns in 10 games as a starter. Wow. That, yeah. That's like, <laughs> that's really like bad. 1960s football type stuff. So, uh, you know, nothing real threatening there. Is he a runner? Do you, does he use, does he try to use his legs a little bit? Or is he just, nah, nah. Just okay. Just just a guy. Just what it is what it is. Um their defense is allowing 304 passing yards per game. Uh, and we'll get into why that matters here in a second, too. They do, I will say this, they do have a good interior guy, uh, a defensive tackle, Dwayne Carter, who leads all power five interior defensive linemen with 36 quarterback pressures. So Dwayne Carter can affect your quarterback from the inside. He is definitely a guy to know on that defense. Um, again, I mentioned they have, they've lost all their conference games by an average margin of 31 points. And uh, I think it's worth noting too, this might be, there's, there's rumors around David Cutcliffe that this might be his last game at Duke, uh, just in terms of like retirement, I think is rather than like firing. Um, so those were my first impressions. Do you have anything else to add, Gabby? There's just basically not very good. Yeah. It just seems like this is just not a good Duke team. Uh, I got to go in there, handle business, finish off seven and five, baby. Just like we drew it up. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, finish strong. Uh, so yeah, one thing that one fun little thing to watch during this game, I think is potential receiving records right? Uh, Mike Harley needs four receptions to break Reggie Wayne's career reception yardage record. Um, I believe it's like one, one seventy three, one seventy four, something like that. But the number's like four to tie five to break. I think for Mike Harley getting that career record, uh, Charleston Rambo, needs one reception to tie Leonard Hankerson's record for a single season, 72 receptions. He also needs, I believe, like 93, 94 yards to set the yardage record that was set by Alan Hearns. And leading up to this week, right, Brett Lashley has said in press conferences, oh, we're aware of those records, and that's in our game plan. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke says, oh, yeah. We're, we're going to go get those records. So they're fully embracing it. And again, this uh, Duke 
pass defense is atrocious. It is like 128th in the country. Basically, any quarterback, basically, Gabby, if you went out and played quarterback against them, you would get three at least 300 yards. Wow. You, you know I could spin it too, David. You saw the arm at the, at the Panthers game. I did. I did. Do you want to tell that story? We can. Go ahead. All right. So, I mean, we and David went to the Panthers game. Uh, they won. Who did they play again? Who did they play that night? Oh, the Avalanche. The oh, the Avalanche. Actually. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, we went downstairs. I grabbed a rat because I was just like, all right, I'm doing this. Five dollar rat. Uh, One of the biggest uh, scams in sports, I would argue. You buy oh, a rat to, to throw it on the ice. And then they like recycle it, right? Of course they do. But still, five dollars for an experience. Go into yeah. your experience. Yeah. So I'm just telling. So me and David are like, I mean, we're I guess it's like club level. Yeah. So we're not like right there either. It's not just like I have to like skip it over the like the little I guess the, like the windows, like the glass to, to get on the ice. We're pretty far out. And I'm just like, David, I can get it on the ice. And David's like, I don't know, man. Like you have to show me. So after the, after the game, I mean, the, the Panthers win and I just launched this rat. My problem is that I just launched it like diagonally instead of like throwing it straight. I just hit this dude right on the back of the head, like first row. Sitting against the glass, yeah. Sitting against the glass. I definitely, I think we could have argued that if I threw it straight, I'm clearly on the ice. I agree. Like, no doubt. But I threw it diagonally, like, where the teams were, like, celebrating, which was just bad decision-making by me. So here's the thing, Gabby, okay? I'm putting you on the spot. And this is for for Mm -hmm. our podcast listeners. You ready? Right. Right. You're you're going to the game tonight. Yeah. Right? I'll be there. They're playing the Flyers. I have no clue where you're sitting. I don't know either. But I need video of you throwing a rat on the ice. That's fine. And you need to tweet this out. I'll commit to it. And I'll make sure it gets on the ice and not hit some guy on the back of the head this time. And you'll tweet it out? I'll tweet it out for sure. Okay. I think the people need to see it. Okay. So back to Miami Hurricanes talk. Uh, Gabby, are they get like, which one of these records they're going to get? I think honestly, they get all of them. Yeah, I think they get them both. I could see them just like there's three beating honestly. Harley on those little like bubble like bubble screens that they do or the little screens they do at the line of scrimmage. I can see Harley catching like three of those quarter. on the first drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just going straight to that. Like to start the game, let's get Harley's record. Boom, over the top to Rambo. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke those for like a nice little 420 piece or something like that in his last game with Rhett Lashley. And they just and Rambo catches a bunch. I could see both of those getting broken. So it's three, just to be clear. Harley, career. Three's, Rambo. He needs three to tie or three to well, break? No, no, no. There's three records in play. Oh, three records in play. One Harley career record or yeah. career receptions. Oh. Rambo can get both receptions yeah. and yards, single season. Well, uh, definitely getting the single season receptions. Yeah, yeah. He needs, what, one or two, I think, to, yeah. to do that. The, the toughest one probably is the 93 yards. Yeah. And but we've seen him do that, like yes, then, I would say so, I'd bet on him getting it, you know, yeah. judging Dukes. Yeah. I don't think they'll call off the dogs until they get Rambo his his yards. I hope so. It'll give me a reason to watch. Yeah. Um betting line. Miami is a 21 and a half point favorite. Holy crap. And the over under is 68 and a half. Wow. Um I don't know. I'd probably go 68 and a half. I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling the under. Yeah, I mean, I still I would think go Miami under cruises. 
it's just to me that's a lot of points to expect from Duke, yeah. in my opinion. I could see like, yeah, that's a lot, man. I could see like a 38-14 type thing or something like that. And it's just like not enough to get to 60. I would probably go under. Spoiler alert on your score prediction. Oh, uh, yeah, that was kind of a spoiler alert. So would you would you you would bet Duke 21 points, 21 and a half points then? No? Ah, maybe. I guess I would, but I probably wouldn't actually do it. Yeah. But I mean, I guess if I had to choose, might go. Tw- I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, have, we haven't seen Miami beat a team by like three touchdowns like that this year. Like, like, I know Duke is bad. I mean, they're definitely the worst team outside of like Central Connecticut State. Yes, that's that they the played thing. this year. Yes. But I mean, I don't know. There's also a lot going on, and I get that they're playing hard for him, but. Oh, and it's over three touchdowns. So they got to win by, they're essentially going to win by 24 because no one really wins by 22. So you're basically saying they win by four scores. I'm, I'm not sure. I think we both agree the under might be yeah, the best play. I think the under would be the best play. Score prediction. I'll go Miami 42, Duke 13. Yeah, I think I'd probably go like 38, 14, like what I said. I think that's probably what I'll roll with. All right. We will wrap it up there. Uh, appreciate all you guys listening again black friday sale 75% off comes out to about $26 for a year's worth of coverage at insidetheu.com appreciate everyone who is subscribing to the website appreciate everyone who listens on this podcast happy thanksgiving everyone Uh, until next time take care Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.